Grace and mercy and peace be with you from God our Father, from our Lord and our Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Have you ever misjudged someone? You look at someone and what your eyes see. Maybe you judge them based initially on their ethnicity, their clothing choice, their hairstyle, their occupation, their accent. You, you look at them, you make a quick determination about who this person is. But then maybe after spending a little time with that person, you get to actually know their core character, and perhaps you realize that your judgment was misplaced. We are constantly doing it. All of the time, we make snap judgments with our eyes based on what we see. There was a study done by some psychologists aptly titled First Impressions. And in this study, psychologists found that we make the first impression in the first one-tenth of a second that we see someone. One-tenth of a second. And they found out that in this study, even after allowing those people who have made that initial first impression to spend time together, it takes quite a long time to undo that initial judgment that we had of that person, even if we get to know them better. In today's reading from 1 Samuel chapter 16, or in the story, chapter 11, we heard these words from God. The Lord sees not as man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. Can we put that up on the screen? The Lord sees not as man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. This is in contrast to what people do. Uh, People, you and I, are constantly looking at the outward appearance of other people, making a snap judgment on what we see, while God looks at the heart. These words appear first in the book of 1 Samuel chapter 16, as Samuel is commanded by God to go to the family of Jesse and appoint the next king over Israel. Because Saul had been disobedient to God. Saul, who we heard last week, was the first king of Israel, had been disobedient to God, and God had rejected Saul, and God had commanded Samuel, the prophet, to go to Jesse's family and find the next king. God told Samuel that the next king would be one of Jesse's sons. So Samuel goes to Jesse's family and he says, Jesse, I want you to bring your sons before me and one of them will be the next king of Israel. So Jesse does what's obvious. He starts with the oldest of his boys, Eliab, an experienced warrior. And he brings this son in front of Samuel. And Samuel's initial reaction is this. Surely the Lord's anointed is before him. 
This is Samuel's gut reaction, his first impression of Eliab. In, in plain English, what, he, what, what, what Samuel is saying is, this man, Eliab, looks like a king. Or maybe in popular English, Samuel's going, this dude is legit. <laughs> but then God says to Samuel, Samuel, these words that we've already heard, Samuel, don't look on his appearance. Don't look on his appearance or on the height of his stature. For I have rejected this man, Eliab. The Lord sees not as man sees. Man looks on outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. It's like God is saying to Samuel, Samuel, (laughs) I know you want to choose a big, powerful, strong, military-type king, but it's not going to be like that. Don't look with your eyes. I'm looking at the heart. So Samuel has Jesse bring his next oldest son in front of him. And Samuel looks to God and God says, no, that one has to pass by. Jesse brings his next son. Samuel says, nope. On and on. Seven times. The seven oldest sons. Nope. Samuel goes, Jesse, what's the deal? You have, do you have more sons? God says it's one of your sons, but it's none of these guys. And Jesse goes, well, yeah, there's one more, my youngest son, but he's this little shepherd boy. He's out taking care of the sheep. And Samuel says, go get him, I'll wait. So they go get David. And Samuel sees David, ruddy in appearance, handsome, beautiful eyes, it says, but ruddy. And, and, and God speaks very clearly to Samuel, and he says this, arise, anoint him for this is he. So Samuel does it. He anoints him. That means he puts oil on him. It was what it was a cleansing ritual for kings. And when that happened, it says the spirit of the Lord from that time on rushed upon David. God does not look on the outward appearance. God looks on the heart. The heart What's with the heart? We talk about people like this. We say, that man has a good heart. That man has a good heart. Maybe even by the end of this sermon, maybe we'll look at the character of David and we'll say, David has a good heart. But what do we mean by that when we say that someone has a good heart? Unless you're a doctor... When you say someone has a good heart, unless you're a doctor, you're likely not talking about the resting pulse of an individual. When you say someone has a good heart, you're likely not talking about their cholesterol level or their blood pressure. If you say someone has a good heart, you're likely not talking about the blood pumping organ in their body. When you say someone has a good heart, you're likely talking about their character that the person is good-intentioned, good-willed, good-natured, kind, thoughtful, compassionate. That's generally what we mean when we say someone has a good heart. The Bible speaks in a similar fashion about the heart. They're not talking about the blood-pumping organ most of the time, even though they know what that is. No, they're talking about the core, the the core character, the center of someone. 
We speak the same way in our English language as well, we do. I mean, I could go to the store right now and pick up a can of artichoke hearts if I want. And an artichoke heart is not the blood-pumping organ of that vegetable. An artichoke heart is the, the center, the core, the, the essence of the artichoke. We do it when we're talking about issues as well. We've got to get to the heart of the issue. And so we do the same when speaking about people as well. What is in a person's heart? I believe the Bible describes David as a man who has a good heart. Why? Is it because he's a nice man, does good things all the time? No, not really. He has a good heart because his heart is aligned with God's heart. David's heart is aligned with God's heart. That is what makes a heart good. Actually, before David even came on the scene in the book of 1 Samuel, we hear about the heart of David. Before David's even mentioned. It's actually back in 1 Samuel chapter 13, and this is where God revealed himself to Saul through the mouth of Samuel to tell Saul that he's been rejected by God because of his disobedience. And here's what God said through Samuel to Saul at that point. He said, the Lord has sought out a man after his own heart. And the Lord has commanded him to be prince over his people because you have not kept what the Lord commanded you. Again, this is what God is saying to Saul when he's being rejected. He says, you have rejected me and therefore I, God, am seeking after a man who is after my own heart to be the next king over Israel. So Samuel is here for these words, and that's why, again, I'm going to show these words again, but that's why when Samuel is looking at the sons of Jesse, God has to show up to Samuel again and say these words. The Lord sees not as man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. God has to tell Samuel this again because Samuel, again, in his snap, human, quick judgment, he's judging these potential kings based on their outward appearance. But Samuel needs to be reminded that God looks on the heart and God is after a king who has the heart of God. I think we need to be reminded of this as well. As sinful people, it's good for us to know that God God looks on the heart. This is good for us for two reasons. First of all, as a reminder to us that we so quickly misjudge other people based on their outward appearance. And because we know God looks at the heart, this should drive us to a place of repentance. Turning from our mischaracterizations and misjudgments of other people Turning from that, repenting of that and saying, God, make my eyes and my heart like your eyes and your heart. But second of all, it is good for us that God looks on the heart. Because this is good for us as well, because many of us are often mischaracterized by others, misjudged by others. 
We are, we are slighted by others. Others have character assaults on us. And so it is a gospel reminder to us, a good news reminder, that God does not look at our outer appearance, but God looks at our hearts. God knows what's in our core. God knows us like no one knows us. And that is good for us. Over the next four weeks, we're going to be looking at the life of David. I told you during the announcements, but we're stretching out these two chapters of the story, chapter 11 and chapter 12, and we're going to deal with each of them two weeks at a time. So today, chapter 11, I'm covering kind of the first part of chapter 11, the young life of David. If you're reading it in your Bible, I'm going to stop at where 1 Samuel stops, at the death of Saul. In this first half of chapter 11, in the early part of David's life, we see very clearly that David is a man whose heart is aligned with the heart of God. Here's how. Let me give you a few examples. Very first and clearly, we see it in the story of David and Goliath. Right here in 1 Samuel chapter 7, David is a young man who has more faith in God than the king Saul, a big powerful king. He's got more faith in God than these big, powerful Israelite army soldiers. David is the only one willing to fight the king, or not fight the king. David is the only one who is willing to fight the, the, the giant, Goliath. David, who is not a soldier. David, who is a simple shepherd boy. And he goes and he stands before the taunting giant with these bold words of faith. He says, Goliath, you come to me with a sword and with a spear and with a javelin, ha, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hand. I will strike you down and I will cut off your head. And that's the part that gets left out of all the children's Bibles, unfortunately, but he cuts off his head. These are bold words of faith. Bold words of faith only to be spoken by someone whose heart aligns with the heart of God. In this part of the story, in this early part of David's life, as Saul is still king but rejected by God, Saul, the God's spirit has left Saul, the Bible says, and the spirit has come upon David, but David's not yet king. There's a whole bunch of awkward tensions that happen. And what we see is actually Saul gets so jealous of David after this uh, killing of Goliath and his popularity that Saul tries to kill David multiple times. David escapes and he flees. He doesn't fight back against the king. Actually, so much so that while David is in hiding and Saul is pursuing him, David has multiple opportunities where he sneaks up on a sleeping Saul and could kill him. David's advisors, his closest friends say, this is your opportunity. God is making this happen. And David says, it is not up to me to kill God's chosen king. God will take care of that. David is a patient man. <laughs> he is a patient man. He is a man after God's own heart. He's a man of great faith, you could say. This is really what it means to have faith in God. 
To, to trust in God means to align your heart with God's heart. To ask that God would make your heart, your core, your center of your being more and more like His. That's what it means to have faith. So how's your heart? How's your core? How's the center of your soul doing? What is it aligned with? We read Jesus' words from Luke chapter 6 today where Jesus speaks about the heart. And Jesus says this, Out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. Whatever your heart is full of, your mouth speaks. Jesus actually says that this is for better or for worse. Jesus says if your heart is full of evil, it will be an abundance of evil and you will speak and produce evil. But if your heart is full of Jesus, you will be and speak like Jesus. So what's your heart full of? Jesus is sometimes referred to as the great physician. He actually refers to himself as a physician in Mark chapter 2, 17, a great physician. What does this mean that Jesus is a physician? What well, means that he can heal the physically sick, as we heard Pastor Kevin tell the kids in the children's lesson, he can and he, he does heal the physically sick. But even more than that, Jesus heals the sin-sick soul by forgiving and restoring to new life. He regenerates our hearts. And there is good news. Jesus, who is the great physician, actually has a specialty. He's been specially trained and approved to do cardiac procedures and cardiac treatments. And if you don't know, a little side note, the word cardia is the Greek word in the Bible where Jesus is speaking about heart. Cardia is the Greek word for heart. So when you talk about cardia, cardiac, heart. Jesus is a specialist when it comes to heart treatments. Jesus fixes hearts. He changes hearts. Those of you who believe in Jesus, Jesus has already begun a good transformative work in your heart, fixing it from a failing heart to a functioning heart. And only Jesus can do this. But we all need to visit the physician regularly for checkups, <laughs> to get our levels monitored, and to have the great physician work on us once again. And to remind us to take his advice and to also monitor our hearts ourselves. And that's why we're here today. That's why we gather in worship. Because our hearts have been wrong recently. We have constantly misjudged people with our eyes in a tenth of a second, multiple times a day, every single day, and we need to come to Jesus and say, Jesus, please forgive me. Please forgive me, Lord Jesus. Give me patience and understanding. Give me your heart, Lord, so that I have compassion and kindness to get to know the hearts of others and not simply judge them by what my eyes see. Help my heart, Lord Jesus, to function like your and dear Jesus, we come to Jesus and we, Jesus, thank you for knowing the depths of our hearts. 
Thank you for not judging us based on what we do, based on what we look like, based on what we have said or left unsaid. God, thank you for forgiving us and restoring us. Lord Jesus, make our hearts like yours. And as we pray to Jesus, the great physician, we need to remember this reality about who Jesus is. Jesus is a great, 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 great something, grandson of King David. Do you know this? And Jesus, like his ancestor David, was someone that you too might have passed over when you first saw him. But the heart of Jesus was perfectly aligned with his Father in heaven. And Jesus, like his ancestor David, but even more so, had his heart aligned with the heart of God. And Jesus is after your heart. Jesus wants your heart. He's seeking to capture it and make your heart be more like his and beat more like his. In his name, amen, amen.